podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. your nerves yes it's steve Loomer's washing the independent derby county show where we believe 100 that we'll be podcasting next season whatever happens uh time is running out for the rams then isn't it to stop themselves playing in england's third tier for the first time in 35 years but our chances look slimmer and slimmer with every game as derby simply cannot show the character or quality to end their worst losing streak since 2011. I'm Chris Parsons. Hello. Thank you so much for tuning in and uh, banging their heads against the virtual wall with me. Ah, uh, Richard Kutcher, you right? Hi, Chris. Yeah, not too bad. Thank you. And uh, we've roped Anton back in as well. Uh, Anton, just just make it stop, right? Just, just end this, right, mate? Yeah. How are you doing, boys? All I can say is thank God that the pubs are, are open to help us through this. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Well, you, you, you remember, um, I mentioned in the last pod that we were going to, uh, I said we were going to go for a pint with uh, with Tom uh, a couple of weeks ago. So we did do that. Went for a lovely little cheeky couple of drinks at, uh, at London Bridge, one of our favourite places to go. Um, only slightly ruined by the uh, drunk middle-aged Millwall fan who was on our table, who is one of those people who just kept on chiming into our conversation. And he wouldn't stop telling me that he thought I looked like the uh, magician Dynamo. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> <Quite> insulting. <laughs> so you, surely, Chris, if if you really are Dynamo, then why have you not got, got Derby out out of this situation? I know that, this is all my your, fault. Really, that's your big trick. You you can play that hand, surely, and you can relegate Millwall at the same time if 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 he really irritates you that much. To be fair, I I have never seen Chris and Dynamo in the same room together. So <laughs> he was like, "You look like that magician." And I was like, what, "Paul Daniels." Um, it's like, no, he's, he's, <laughs> he's very much not alive anymore. Um, but yeah, it was fun. What have your boys been up to this week anyway? Yeah, I've been making the most of the sun uh, this week. Actually, I had a pretty stressful uh, few days at the start of the week. So I actually pretty much gave myself Friday off. And so I've basically not moved from the sun lounger from Friday about 1pm through to uh, about 6pm uh, on Saturday this weekend. I had a lot of beer and uh yeah getting my getting my pink skin ready for uh hopefully a, a more open and enjoyable summer with, with no derby county to uh, get us down lobster season for you what about you anton yeah pretty similar really making the most of the sun um and and the pubs being open obviously trying to build my alcohol tolerance back up ahead of the euros this summer um, that's what it's all about getting yeah. uh get, getting match fit for the uh for, for june uh don't forget speaking of pubs uh, Steve Bloom was washing as partnered for the season with Derby Brewing Company, Derby's original craft brewer. Uh, but since we last spoke to you then, three dismal defeats have uh, plunged Derby County even closer to the championship bottom three. Uh, the first, that 2-1 defeat to a Blackburn side who'd won one in 15, then a 3-0 capitulation to a Preston team who were pretty much well and truly on the beach when we played them before a home humbling at the hands of Birmingham City this weekend, which secured survival for Lee Bowyer's side. We're going to have to cut to the chase here, here boys. Two games to go, four points clear as it stands, with Rotherham having those uh, two games in hand, and uh, and it's Wednesday on the final day. Look, I don't even care about points totals anymore, what it takes or who beats who. Kutch, will we stay up? I don't think we will actually. Um, having seen us yesterday, and actually, I was just catching up on on the Rotherham uh, match against Barnsley, and Rotherham were incredibly unlucky not to get at least a point from that match. I mean, the the goal that Barnsley scored was was a clear foul on the Rotherham goalkeeper, um, and and it probably should have been a yellow card, uh, and and possibly um, you know would, would shouldn't have been allowed. And the goalkeeper was then off after that. So maybe Rotherham's luck will continue going against them. I, I feel like it's going to have to change because they have been incredibly unlucky this season. I cannot see us picking up 
more than a couple of points, if I'm totally honest from my last two games. Um, we're only out of the relegation zone currently because Sheffield Wednesday have had a point deduction. So Sheffield Wednesday are a better team than us over the season. If Wednesday get anything against Forest and we don't pick up points against Swansea, then there's a good chance uh, Rotherham and Wednesday could leapfrog us on, on that final day. I think Rotherham's midweek game this week coming up is, is Brentford, but then they've got Blackburn and Luton. And they look like winnable games for Rotherham. Um, and as I said, I, I can't see us picking up probably the... Requ- I think three points now would, would see us safe, particularly if that one of those wins came against Sheffield Wednesday. I I, I think I think we're going down because I, I do think Rotherham will find a way to pick up at least four points in their last four games. Yeah, Anton, for Rotherham, as Coach said, it's Brentford away who are safely in the playoffs. They can't make top two. They can't finish seventh. So they're basically in a position where they're sort of keeping players ticking over for the playoffs. Blackburn at home, they're on the beach. Luton away, they're on the beach. Cardiff away, they're on the beach. Granted, we've got Swansea, who are also safely tucked in the playoffs. But you look at Wednesday as well, Nottingham Forest at home for them. Um, And then what it will probably come down to is a survival shootout on the final day. What's What's your thinking? Yes or no? Can we do it? Yeah, I mean, my gut says we're going down <laughs> I think that final day game against Wednesday just fills me with dread to be honest um the fact that it's Forest standing in between Wednesday and and us um doesn't really fill me with with any confidence either so I, I do think it's going to come down to that final day I can't really see us picking up any points against Swansea next weekend despite the fact that they might be kind of looking ahead to the playoffs they're, they're clearly a much better team than us and, and we just don't look like scoring or, or picking up any points at the moment. So I think it's going to come down to that final day. And I, I, I agree with with Kutch's perspective on Rotherham as well. I, although they've lost their last four, I, I can't see that happening for the next four. Um, so that they're going to pick up at least one win, I would say. Yeah, all Rotherham need is one win. I can't emphasise that enough. One win from those from those three games to, to put it to put it right back in amongst it again. Their, their goal difference is quite comfortably better than ours as well. So it's it's going to certainly come down to the final day. I think in in one way or the other, and I think it may well be out of our hands as well. I think we we definitely could stay up. I mean, I, we 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 could win against Sheffield Wednesday. Maybe we could pick up a point against Swansea. We we beat them earlier on in, in the season. It doesn't look like that from our performances, but I think it's actually equally as likely we'll finish twenty third. As I said, I think Wednesday and Rotherham could both go ahead of us by the time the season has finished. And and to, let's be honest again, we should not be anywhere near Rotherham. And I mean, Rotherham should not be anywhere near us. Rotherham shouldn't be able to catch us. They've had a string of COVID outbreaks in their squad. I mean, you could say that's partly down to their own fault, but that's still the case. I presume that's probably the worst pitch in in the whole division and has led to kind of numerous games being called off, as as we well know. They've got a a team and a a budget, which is a much smaller budget than ours. I know they've lost their last four games, but they appear to have some kind of battle. Rotherham are in games. They were extremely unlucky yesterday, as I said, not just the way that they conceded the goal, but their striker missed two open goals, which I just watched back on on Quest again. And their manager, which we'll come on to regards to Wayne Rooney, but their manager has had a consistent game plan that has allowed them to stay in games and allowed them to pick up points here and there. Now, they've got fewer points than us at the moment, but they, to me, look way more capable of, of getting those points and they've got two more games to play. And let's not forget, against Middlesbrough, the game that they lost, um, one of their other games in hand, they played a huge amount of that with 10 men after losing um, losing a player to what was in no way a red card. I'm not saying they would have got something out of that game if they'd had all 11 players for the whole game, but they are, are having things going against them. They have got a game plan and they are being unlucky and they are showing fight, none of which is happening to Derby County right now. But if we look back then at... The Birmingham City game, first things first, an awful game, like truly turgid stuff, real end of the season fair, especially in the first half, really forgettable. Uh, Very few chances. It was scrappy. It was frenetic. It was low on quality with neither team really looking to play anything particularly expansive. Not that we expected them to anyway, and who really cares about that with three games to go? But what it came down to... Uh, Anton is that Blues made a change early in the second half where they uh, they made three three subs early in the second half switched to shape switched to a diamond uh, brought on Halilovic 
Sanchez and San Jose. He completely changed it and we could not handle it. We talked about how this has happened before, like what we've, we've done it to other teams before, but it was absolutely elementary stuff. Like we just did not have an answer to what to what they did to us in the second half. And yeah, we, we went in there, won the up, but we couldn't handle their style. We couldn't handle their changes. The goals that we conceded as well were just so elementary. That 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 long throw that had been coming, uh, you know, again and again in the first half, we we didn't deal with it. And then how we left Lukas Jukovic unmarked from six yards out with five minutes to go when he's the best header on the pitch and scores those sorts of goals for fun is just completely head in hands elementary failings in this team once again, isn't it? And the reason why you've you've both said, and I'm going to agree with you, that we're getting relegated. Yeah, I mean, leaving what is probably the best header of the ball in the division unmarked at the back post is absolutely criminal. But it all comes down to the inexperience of of Rooney and, and the backroom staff and the lack of fight that the, pitch, that the players are showing on the pitch. Because they made those changes in the second half, but it wasn't anything kind of extraordinary. It wasn't anything kind of groundbreaking from a tactical perspective. They were just looking to get further up the field, get play more directly and, and get more balls into the box for, for Jukovic to attack. And we just couldn't handle it. And and it shows, it really highlights the, the inexperience that Rooney has. Um, he wasn't able to kind of make changes to to deal with um the change of shape that that Birmingham brought in in the second half and it, we we just made it far too easy for for those balls to come into the box yeah i mean those those changes that Boya made was was simply to put an extra man in the middle of the pitch to take control of that area and and it uh, 100% worked and and Rooney I think he brought Burden Sibley on but it was it was quite late on he made that change to try and wrestle back that control and it, and it didn't work and the, the one b- bit of um mitigation I would give Wayne Rooney there is he hasn't got he hasn't got great options on the bench I mean it's it's a crash on that bench and yeah a couple of those players those young players are, are now quite experienced first teamers but they're still 19 20 years old and he didn't really he couldn't bring on a, a wrecking ball in, in the central midfield his kind of first choice kind of grafters in central midfield a shinny and knight and they were already on the pitch and and being overrun um but you're right it does smack of the inexperience it's an inexperienced coaching staff with an inexperienced and and not fit for purpose squad to battle in this division however the decision, and we'll come on to this a bit later, the decision to put an inexperienced coaching team in charge of that squad in the state it is in is is the decision which is ultimately going to cost us. And I think if you see what the job Lee Bowyer has done at Birmingham City, even Darren Moore has done to a degree at Sheffield Wednesday, obviously the job that Neil Warnock has done at Millsborough over the last 12 months, a experienced championship manager, doesn't have to be the best manager from the division, but an experienced championship manager would have steered Derby clear of this relegation zone and kept them clear Rooney did steer us clear. He hasn't kept us clear. We're back down there again. And it is the inexperience. He's getting schooled over and over again by more experienced managers in this division. After the Preston game, Rooney did say that, uh, and he had to say that, that something had to change from that particular performance because what's the most worrying things at Preston, we didn't look like we cared. We just did not look up for it. We didn't look bothered. There was no stomach, no guts, no fight at all. And Rooney said after that that he gave the players a few home truths. They responded really well, blah, blah, blah. Heard it all before. And he, he said that against Birmingham, we would he, he promised a performance that would be a million miles away from Preston. I guess, yeah, we did see better effort levels against Birmingham. Um, but once once the first goal went in, w- once Blues equaliser went in, it did the, the outcome of the match did really look like it was only going one way. And yeah, he talks about the subs, that, that they came too late. And he talks about the options that we had on the bench. The bench against Birmingham, uh, Marshall, Yuzviak, Bird, Sibley. But then after that, it's um, Aaron Cashin, Roberts, Ebersaley, McDonald and Watson. So yeah, look, we saw better effort levels against Birmingham, but it doesn't hide the fact that, w- that, that the failings then came from the team not being good enough and the manager not being experienced enough and a manager not knowing what to do. So you, you looked at how we're playing with five minutes to go, just chucking big Matt Clark up there for five minutes to, and ju- just lumping diagonals at him 
to see if we get anything off him. It's, it's, it's never really been a, a tactic I've been a fan of, just just sticking a centre-back up top and see see if anything bounces off him. It just sort of reeks of desperation, really, doesn't it? But that's what we resorted to. And and that's probably an indication that we, we didn't really have a plan uh, to, to get back into the game. We didn't have the options to, to get the quality out of anything either, Kutch. Yeah, and it is it is desperation when when you have to do that. But normally a team is kind of prepared. You know, might try that scenario on training. And Derby don't look like when they go to that kind of desperation, they have any real plan. It is completely random. And they haven't got a plan at all. I mean, even I was kind of in, in when Rooney had a, a decent run of form. It was kind of December, January, and February, wasn't it? There was some good. There was a couple of uh, wins in a row, and there was some good results over those three months, and a couple of poor ones as well. But Rooney was kind of reacting game by game. He was going horses for courses. Obviously, Christian Bielik made it made a huge impact. But and we kind of gave him the benefit of doubt there. And I think we said we just needed to get through and, and pick up points. But he's had over thirty games, thirty league games, to find a way of playing that suits this squad. And yeah, he's had injuries. Most of the injuries have come in the last couple of weeks. But he's had time to work out the the way to get the best out of the best players in the squad, and he's failed. He's failed, and and there is whenever that team lines up. Normally, even under Koku, and and you could kind of see what formation it's going to be. Ever whenever the team line, the team uh, lineup it gets released, it, for me it's a lottery. I look at it and I go, I've got no. I've, it could be anything. It could be three. It could be four. We could have win backs. We could have three up front. We could have a false nine. Like for me, it's it's so muddled and. That that translates not just into poor attacking play, but into disorganisation at the back as well, which is what was the reason we conceded two goals yesterday. The fact is, he's been in charge for what what five months now, and I'm not sure I could tell you a distinct tactic that he's looking to get this team to to play. He he doesn't know what he wants, um, which means that clearly the players don't know what they want either. I mean, we can't fault him for the players that he has at his disposal. But what I find quite odd with Rooney's tactics, and it's not just the fact that he changes it every time, is that he always seems to try and match up to the opposition, but not in the way that you'd necessarily expect. We we try and play into their strengths in some ways. I mean, he, he said yesterday that we, we tried to go more direct with Birmingham because they're, they're a more direct team. That seems odd to me because... If if they're a direct team, they're, they're clearly that's where their strengths lie. Um, we've done similar with, with the likes of Rotherham and and other direct teams in in the past, and it, it just hasn't really worked. So I, I I don't really understand the tactical approach that Rooney's going for. But what disappoints me most is 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 the the bare minimum that you you expect from a team in in this position is to show fight and to be motivated, and that's the one area where. We we saw some positives from from Rooney in in the first couple of months. We 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 were doing the basics well. We were, we seemed to be up for the fight, and and we were picking up points off the back of that. And had we continued that, we would we, we would have continued to pick up points, and we, and we wouldn't be in the mess that we are. But we seem to have lost all motivation and all enthusiasm for for this fight, um, which is the absolute bare minimum you, you should be expecting from any team in this position, but especially. Um, a, a team the, the size of us who, who who should be good enough for this division. And it's it's frankly not good enough from the players, but it's certainly not good enough from the coaching staff either. Yeah, 100%. I mean, the way that we react to conceding goals, our lack of any sort of game plan, our lack of being able to score goals, our lack of being able to create chances, the like sloppy, completely preventable goals that we concede week in, week out, it all just points to a team who are getting relegated, but also to a manager who doesn't have the answers and who doesn't know what to do. And you look at the attacking play that we did have against Birmingham. We yeah, we scored a decent goal, um, decent ball up to Waggy, wins a good header, lovely little um, you know sort of low cross from Buchanan, picks out CKR for a tap in. Yeah, not nice little move. But that's the only thing we did in the entire yeah. game yesterday our only other shot on target was a tom lawrence pot shot from a 35 yard free kick which just went straight to the keeper that that's to, to emphasize that again that is all we did in that entire game but yeah we had a few uh, a few tweets 
from from listeners after the Blues game as well. Uh, Tim on Twitter said, um, we didn't turn up in the second half. Birmingham showed three things that this team lacks. Leadership, application and teamwork, all totally non-existent in this side from top to bottom. And uh, John tweeted us as well to say, why is it so easy for other teams to score against us, yet it seems to take a monumental effort for this Derby team to this Derby team to score. Uh, Coach, we talked about the inexperience of the coaching staff and an interesting little tidbit that came out from a John Percy report this week said that Steve McLaren is apparently being sidelined by Rooney and co. McLaren obviously bought in a few months ago to, uh, to, to as, a, as a consultant in a technical director role. Um, the club were keen to emphasise that he wouldn't have an influence on team selection or coaching. But what, what do you make of this? I, I guess you can look at it two ways. Is it on the one hand a sign of, of, of Rooney's ego and the fact that he wants to be his own man and that he's sort of making a rod for his own back, really, basically being a martyr for his own decisions? Or on the other hand, is 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 there an argument to say that Rooney is making a decent call here? Because it's not as if McLaren was having a huge effect on results anyway. And could you say that it's a bit of like a, you know, too many cooks situation? Like, do we need to, to limit the number of voices who were influencing Rooney's decisions? Um, but what did you, what was your reaction when you heard about that line? Well, I guess the truth is we don't really know uh, the exact you know details of, of what has happened that that leak could have come from McLaren himself trying to distance himself from from what's happening and, and saving help sa- saving face and protecting his own reputation or it could be legitimately what is going on and has, and, has, and has come from the players or others at the club in the know and and yeah you know, I think it's fair to say that we certainly would trust uh kind of John Percy's sources and, and judgment on on that story so little reason to doubt it but we don't as you say we don't know we don't know what input he was having originally Obviously, when Rooney first took charge and, and McLaren was there, things went quite well. And we all know they were kind of playing quite a bit of 4-3-3. Um, but whatever is going on and whoever does have influence or or doesn't have influence, it, it's not working. Something needs to change before Saturday. So whatever has happened over the last few weeks, whether McLaren has been sidelined or not, I feel like it needs to be reversed. This squad needs to get one more result, um, one more result out of two. So hopefully Rooney, Rossinia and co aren't too proud uh, to consider any means necessary. And if that means swallowing some pride and asking for some more help and input, they they better do it. Because even if for purely selfish reasons of rescuing their own pretty green and to date pretty unimpressive coaching careers, um, they need to they need to turn something around because otherwise it's only going one way. Um I would imagine Steve McLaren would have some useful input, whether it's directly on the training ground or behind the scenes to, to Wayne Rooney, but they, they should be putting together uh, to solve this problem, not pushing against each other. Anton, I'm going to play devil's advocate just quickly before we go to a break. Can you make an argument in Rooney's favour here? Could you say that he's never really had much to work with in the first place? Because let's, let's look at it this way. He can't buy anyone. He's had to rely on loans and, and freeze. He's lost his best player for the season a few months ago. And when you look at how bad we are at scoring goals, we're relying on one striker who isn't anywhere near fit in CKI. He's playing through the pain, playing with injections. Another who's chronically out of form in Martin Waghorn and his contract expires in the summer. And even the replacement that came in in Lee Gregory had his season ended prematurely. Could, could you say that Rooney has his hands tied here and should be given more time whatever division we're in, do you think? He's certainly been dealt a bad hand. I would agree with that. And I mean, let's not forget that it, it wasn't Rooney's decision to put himself in charge either. That that comes from Mel Morrison and the ownership. Um, so ultimately, the the buck stops stops with them about this decision. And and if we do go down that that mistake, um, which it, it will be proved to be. Um, however, having been put in charge. Um, I, th- I think Rooney has to show kind of more potential, to be honest. Um, getting the players up for the fight and and having some kind of tactical identity, even if the, the tactics are, aren't necessarily working, just to have some kind of identity to to show the put put a stamp on the team from from your management position, which, which Rooney isn't really doing at the moment. Al- although the the Koku reign was was 
pretty terrible towards the end and I'm certainly not going to sugarcoat that at least he did have a tactical identity we it didn't work in this division and it didn't work with the the players that we had um but at least you could see what he was trying to do whereas you you, you just can't really see that with Rooney more in a second on Steve Bloomer's washing we'll stop complaining eventually I promise and win lose or schnorr is back Hi there, we county fans. I'm Branko Struper, and you are listening to Steve Bloomer's Washington. This is the second derby corner in the opening couple of minutes of the half. It's come out to Francesco Baiano. And a goal! Derby County taking the lead. Inquest in the Everton defence. And it's the new boy, Esteban Fuertes, who got the final touch. Enough about results. I think. We've got to try and look forward here and we've got to try and look at the bigger picture. You'd have to say, and you said it at the end of the, the first part, Anton, these are, this situation is Mel Morris's decisions coming home to roost. You said that yourself, it was his decision to appoint Rooney permanently. It was Mel's decision, rightly or wrongly, to to go for the, the huge PR stunt with signing Rooney in the first place. And yeah, there were times when it looked like a really good decision. There were times when Rooney as a player had a big influence on games. There were times when we had a, a bit of a bounce when he uh, w- when he started in the permanent role. But long term, it's not working. It hasn't worked. We're only going in one direction. And that stops at Mel Morris's door. And I've just got a, there's just another um, listener contribution that, that we had here uh, from uh, Paul Harris, who, uh, who messaged us to say uh, one win in 13, I simply cannot see any more points coming with Rooney in charge. And my big fear is relegation and then no takeover. We've got a disinterested owner unwilling to invest, which could mean we'd be stuck in League One for some time. And that's a really good point, isn't it, Kutch? Because what happens next? The the ultimate worst case scenario here is relegation and then no extra investment. I mean, does will Alonso walk away, do you think, if we go down? Does he want to take over? a League One club who are hemorrhaging cash with, with a paper-thin squad? Like, what, what's the long-term outlook for Derby County here? Oh, God, that's a big question. Um, I don't know if Alonso walks away. I imagine Alonso will have some kind of con- you know, clause if, if, the, if the deal hasn't been completed by the time the season is finished. I imagine Alonso has some kind of clause which will be um, yeah, a, a much cheaper price for the club if the club is in League One. Uh, similar to what the deal that Mel Morris originally did with with GSE when we thought we we might be on the verge of of getting promoted, so I, I think Alonso may well still be in a frame, but we we don't we don't know that he's not said anything to suggest he 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 would be he would walk away if we were relegated, but he probably has been looking at it more optimistically and, and thinking we won't get relegated. But in terms of the long term outlook of the club, I think I think it's bleak whether we're in League One or the Championship next season. In regards to the the Rooney out uh, debate, I wouldn't I wouldn't be against removing him, you know, immediately and, and putting McLaren in charge because, as we said, I don't think we can see that there's no signs from the last couple of games that we're going to pick up points in these last two games, and that's what we urgently need. Maybe there's too big a financial cost to to remove him before the season's up. Maybe there's a relegation release clause of some sort that means if we get relegated, we can remove him on the cheap. Either way, for me, he shouldn't be in charge next season. I think he's he's proven he's not up to the job. And it is a big, big job. It's not a job for a novice. It wasn't a job for a novice six months ago, and it's not a job for a novice this summer, whatever division we're in. Um, in terms of the, the broader outlook for the club, Chris, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into it more in, in the season review in, in a few weeks' time. But, you know, a, a lot of people like to point to Leicester and Southampton as, look, they went down to League One, they bounced straight back, they got back-to-back promotions. And, and look at those two clubs now. They're, they've been incredibly well run, and, and they, they used that opportunity to reset. But for every Leicester and Southampton, there's two or three other examples. Coventry City, Sunderland has struggled. Leeds didn't come straight back. Forest was stuck there for a while. And Portsmouth, Bolton, um, Ipswich. Ipswich. I mean, it, the list goes on. It's 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 like a uh, elephant graveyard down there in League One and, and League Two as well of big clubs falling and, and not stopping. So f- for me, the, the more, most important thing actually is because there's quite a few big earners out of contract this summer, depending what division we're in, or actually whatever division we're in, there actually is an opportunity to reshape the squad. But but there's nothing to suggest on current recruitment track record that we'll do that, we'll do that well and sensibly. It, there is some breathing space to fix it, 
but it's going to it's going to take careful thought to fix it properly and not just knee jerk reactions. Yeah, a c- couple of big talking points here, really, Anton. There is the Rooney out debate, and then there is just what on earth do we do with this squad, whatever division we're in. Um, I think something we can all agree on is that if we go down, he has to go. There's no way Rooney can stay if we get relegated whatsoever. Look, this is a guy, this is a manager who has said publicly twice that he guarantees we won't get relegated. If, if we go down, his position is completely untenable. Uh, there's no way he can stay because if we keep a manager on in League One who'd guaranteed twice we won't go down, our credibility as a club will be even even further through the floor than it is right now. And that is saying something given what this club has been through in the last two years. But in terms of the next two games, a lot of talk about getting Steve McLaren in just to try and get something, squeeze something out of this squad for the last two crucial games. I I don't know. I'm not sure. I mean, this is a manager in McLaren who we have sacked twice before. He's, he's a guy who's what, in his late 50s, 60. Would he fancy that? Would he fancy the you know, the, the the match day for a couple of games and then what might happen to his reputation if we do go down. Is it a bit sentimental? Are we thinking about the McLaren who took us top of the league seven years ago? I'm not sure. So, but I guess the thing is, if we do get rid of Rooney for two games, what other option is there? Something has to change, but I don't know what it is. I don't know what the answers are, Anton. What, what, what do you think the approach is for the next two games? Do we... Stick or twist with Rooney. So I think something has to change, whether that's under the the current management or or looking elsewhere with someone like McLaren. I mean, the the options are very limited though. That's the that's the issue that we have. We're not in a financial position to to sack a load of the backroom staff and, and get a load of new people in. And we have also not got the time to do that. We've we've got a two weeks until the end of the season and, and two games to do that. So I think the only option really is McLaren, which I, I, it's not the best situation to be in, but it's also not the worst idea, I don't think, to have someone with at least some level of experience um, to to take charge and hopefully give that just extra boost and extra motivation of the, the kind of new manager bounce um, from McLaren's perspective, I I don't think it's 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 a bit of a no lose situation. I would say for him because if if he was to take charge for the last two games and we were to be relegated, I don't think fingers would be pointed at him necessarily. It would be very much at the the directors and and Rooney's team beforehand. So I I don't think McLaren would necessarily turn it down. I think that probably is is the best option, it, or or if not putting him in full charge, at least getting him much more involved with the day to day and and the the preparation for the game um, to give those inexperienced um, coaching staff a, a little helping hand. No, for me, it is the only option. Uh, McLaren taking over. I don't think him having you know if there's problems behind the scenes and Rooney's sidelined to him then I, I don't know how that's going to work politically of of him it sounds like Rooney and Rossini and co are, are too proud to let him have that any more input than he's currently having um I, I think as Anton said it is a win-win situation well not a win-win a no-lose situation definitely not a win-win a no-lose situation uh for Steve McLaren to walk in he's not going to be blamed for us getting relegated uh because of we don't pick enough pick up enough points in the last two games of the season but what what are Derby County's biggest problems on the pitch? It's not scoring goals. If there's if there's one manager we've had in recent years who's been able to get our teams to score goals, albeit much better squads and teams than this one, it's Steve McLaren. Um, so I feel like he could bring a few fresh ideas and get maybe get something extra out of the likes of Juzvek or Lawrence or get the ball quicker into the final third. But it has it has to happen now. If it can if it can happen today, as we're talking on Sunday. He's got a week of training to get them prepared for that Swansea game, which would stop it from going to the final day, I imagine, if, if we if we could win. So for me, it, it should happen. Um, and because I, I, I don't see us suddenly being able to score two or three goals in, in a game, which is what we probably need to do to win one of these next these one of these next two matches. Yeah, so whatever happens, and I tweeted this last night, this squad needs a massive overhaul. And I'm not just saying that. Like, you look at... Um, 
the, the players that are going to be out of contracts in the summer, what we're left with, the players that are going to be returning to their uh, parent clubs that, that were gotten on loan, um, players coming to the end of their careers, that sort of thing. How many of this current squad would you keep? Who do we base a team around next season, regardless of what division we're in? Um, for me, the absolute must-haves next season are at least two new centre-backs, because we don't really have any in the summer. Uh, Davis, 36, coming towards the end of his career, uh, a, a bit part player at best, you'd have to say, as much as we love him. Um, Clark, going back to his parent club. Wisdom, not a, a first-choice centre-back. We need at least two new strikers. CKR, can't rely on him as, as a, a first-choice. Waghorn, out of contract, out of form. We need two new strikers. We need more goalkeeping competition. For me, we need a better left-sided wide player, I would say. We probably need centre midfield cover and maybe even a number 10 as well. So that's six to eight players minimum to make this squad competitive in the Championship or League One, I think. And then you've got Wisdom, Waghorn, Davis, Clark, all out of contract in the summer. Then you've got Lawrence, Buchanan, Shinny, Byrne, Roos, Marshall, Forsyth, Ibe out of contract in 2022. I think of those players, I'm looking at Byrne, Sibley, I would say, Knight, Buchanan, Bielik, Shinny. I'm going to say Yuzviak as well. I'm going to stick with him. I know he's been poor. I'm going to give him benefit of the doubt. And CKR, but not as a first choice, as being the players that we can maybe try and base something resembling a competitive squad out of next season. What do you boys think, Anton? I agree with a lot of what you've said there. I, th- I think looking at the current team, if you take out Matt Clark, who's obviously only on loan, there's probably only two guaranteed starters in Nathan Byrne and Graham Shinney at the moment. Everyone else, you wouldn't be that surprised to see on the bench next week. Um, and, and they're certainly not first names on the list. Um, between those two, clearly Nathan, I mean, Nathan Burns had a, had a brilliant season despite um, the, the team's failing. So definitely want to keep him. Shinny um, has his limitations, um, absolutely, but has shown that he is a great player to have in your team um, from a leadership and, and kind of fight perspective. So definitely want to keep those two. I, I still see a bright future for for Sibley, for Jason Knight and for Lee Buchanan. Um, so although we, we, we may not necessarily be able to rely on them week in, week out, um, I definitely want to see them given a lot of game, game time and, and allow them to nurture into kind of potentially brilliant players. CKR, like you said, shouldn't be the first choice. Um, he, he has had moments of brilliance and, and has kind of carried this team throughout parts of this season, um, but it isn't a first choice striker. But again, it is a great leader to have around the team. Um, outside of that, I probably wouldn't be that disappointed if, if anyone was to go. I'd like to keep the majority of the of the current young players in and around the first team. But, but the, the important thing to emphasise there, not to build a team around them. I imagine I imagine we probably may need to, to cash in a couple of, of those prospects in the summer, although most of them will probably have only reduced in value since January and, and 12 months ago. But we probably, we need a, a completely new core of, of 25 to 28 roles. And I think we've touched on this uh, two weeks ago and, and they need to be experienced of whatever division we're in whether it's league one or, or championship the last good squad that we had under frank lampard you know mason mount harry wilson and tamori were the kind of cherries on top that to be honest probably should have got us promoted that quality that we had in that squad probably should have got us promoted but they were given that platform and stability to perform by the likes of experienced pros in richard keogh curtis davis tom huddleston bradley johnson even Martin Waghorn, to a degree, a, a, a much more informed, in, younger, but experienced Martin Waghorn. I, I don't believe that Bird, Jason Knight, Louis Sibley have become bad players overnight. And I expect them all to go on to have good, successful championship careers or better. Um, but, you, but you can't t- build a team around them while they're 19, 20 years old. I think of the players that are currently already here, and we kind of qualify for that kind of experienced pro kind of in the kind of prime years of their career, 25, 28 kind of years. 
Graham Shinney is probably the only one I could see forming a group around. If we stay in the championship, I'd definitely add Nathan Byrne to that list. I cannot imagine we'd be keeping hold of Nathan Byrne if we got relegated to League One. Uh, he's 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 a top-half championship fullback, in my opinion. He's already been through it once. He'll be desperate to get out again, I imagine. So for me, Graham Shinney is kind of the first the first kind of certain in that core group we need. And then we need to add, as you say, Chris, four or five players at least to that group. And that's kind of 25 to 28 year old bracket bracket all over the pitch. And in terms of people like Andre Wisdom, Martin Waghorn, Tom Lawrence, uh, in terms of keeping hold of those or, or releasing them, I know Lawrence has got another year after this year, I think um, it's going to depend what, what division we're in. We can't keep any of them. If we get, if we get relegated, they're, they're getting paid too much money. The absolute top priority for Alonso and his, his new team coming in, whichever division we're we're in, has to be getting a smart recruitment team in place. And we've we've mentioned it on the pod um, over the last couple of months that you don't need to spend huge amounts of money to to kind of have a bit of a squad overhaul and and create a a good core group of of players that are going to do the job. You don't need to splash loads of money and, and we obviously can't splash loads of money to to stay within FFP. So the number one priority and the first thing that Alonso has to do is, is set up that recruitment team because it's something that we've desperately been lacking for so many years and, and is the main reason that we're in this position as it is. Um, but given the fact that we need so much overhaul and we have such limited funds to do that, um, we, we need that smart recruitment team in place. Anton, Kutch mentioned it earlier. How would you feel about this like League One reset argument that, that, that people say? The argument being that sometimes you need to reach a really low point to completely uh, clear out a squad, start from the bottom up, and then really build something, build momentum. Um, personally, for me, I can see where people are coming from, but I don't think we're, frankly, well run enough or have the structure or any sort of depth to be able to do that, really. I, I think... If we did go down, there's no guarantee whatsoever we would be in a promotion mix next season in League One. There's there's a lot of decent teams down there with similar amounts of history and fan base and experience and know-how. Just as many teams that are causing problems in League One as there are in the championship, frankly. So, yeah, as, as Kutch has said, there are your instances like Norwich and Southampton and Leicester. But I would be amazed if we if we did the same, if we went through a similar process as those three teams? Yeah, I, I think the idea of going down to League One being a good thing is, is purely people trying to get some kind of optimism out of what is a very bad situation. I I don't agree with that idea. I, I don't think you need relegation to, to have that kind of overhaul of the squad. I, I think if we manage to stay up this season, it should be shock enough to... to the, the new owners to, to everyone at the club that we do need an overhaul. We, we don't need relegation to tell us that we've already had a bad season to tell us that. So um, a much better situation would be to, to stay up and, and get the increased revenue and, and the, the increased number of kind of talents available who, who don't want to drop down to league one, but are willing to, to play for, um, a, a championship club that's looking to overhaul their squad. It, it just gives us a lot more options and also a bit of extra finances as well. So I, I don't think going down is, is the the only route out of this. Before we move on to win, lose or schnore then, our incredible new game show, um, I feel like it needs to do a bit of any other business. Um, Kutch, has it been much else going on in the football world in the past couple of weeks? It's been pretty quiet really, hasn't it? I mean, I can't really think of any... <laughs> <laughs> particularly huge talking points um anything to mention from your end yeah well i thought obviously it's definitely worth mentioning the the super league proposals which lasted i was trying to think of something in derby county folklore which lasted longer which was kind of was short but lasted longer than than the super league proposals our, our promotion charge this season <laughs> yeah our promotion charge this season um yeah, it it was fascinating the way it all un, un, you know, was revealed on Sunday night and un, un, unraveled by kind of Tuesday afternoon, I think, or Tuesday evening. It, it certainly had the English clubs had all, had all pulled out, and it, obviously it it it's directly relevant immediately to the big clubs involved in the Premier League and the large European leagues. But of course, it all filters down, and, and that was one of the main kind of debates against the proposals from these uh, these twelve clubs. 
Um, the, the big English clubs, the big so-called big six, and let's be honest, they're not the big six. They're, they're just the six richest clubs at this moment in time. Um, the so-called big six English clubs, they're already so far ahead of their European peers financially. They didn't actually need to do this. If it was purely about competing and having a level playing field, then it's rubbish because they're already so far ahead. It's purely driven by particularly the likes of Glazers at United, FSG at Liverpool, Cronke at Arsenal. It's purely driven by just wanting greater and more importantly, guaranteed returns on their investments, much greater returns. And for the Spanish and Italian clubs, it is greed as well, of course, but it's also a lot of those guys are in, in major financial trouble. And we're not going to go into all of that because there's been some fantastic analysis. I'd recommend a couple of the early pods last week when the Football Ramble was very passionate kind of analysing what was happening. I thought the Football Weekly at the Guardian crew with people like Jonathan Wilson and Barney Renee did a really good job at unpicking some of the, the motivations behind it. But obviously one of the reasons I think it angered a lot of people here and, and it should anger Derby County fans and, and fans of teams in the Championship and, and below is that if this had been allowed to go ahead, it would make the Premier League and the whole pyramid completely pointless because you would have these six teams and they could finish 11th every season or 12th or 13th and, or even get relegated from the Premier League and still be guaranteed their whatever it was, 200, 400 million dollars a year from their continued guaranteed participation in, in the European Super League. Um, so for me, it's it's fantastic that fans have shown and, and some elements of the media, although cynical as I am of, of their motives, have shown opposition to this and kind of kiboshed it. But it needs to now be this opportunity needs to be taken. These these big 12 clubs have played their hand and they've lost. But I do think we could see an opportunity to kind of rebalance the game a little bit uh, and, and protect, you know, the pyramid. We, we've talked about Derby going down to League One. If Derby are crap enough this season, I and mean, we probably are, as we discussed, we should go down to League One. And it's up to Derby to earn it to get to get back up to the championship. And, and we talk about a reset for the club. And we talk flippantly about, oh, at least there'll be some good away days. But you know what? After the last 18 months... That's what football, to what a football club is about more than anything. It is about that sense of community. It is about traveling around the country and supporting your team in different parts of the country. And yeah, it, it might be tough watch on the pitch the next couple of seasons for Derby, but it could also be a fantastic time and, and show off the great clubs and towns and cities around this country that we can get to go and visit. So for me, the, the pyramid has remained intact for now, but it, it, it can be improved uh, considerably as a result of this opportunity missed by those big clubs. Yeah, I do agree. That's, that's, that's very well said. It, it's, it's great to see, wasn't it, the entire football community come together for one common cause, really, wasn't it? You know, I've, I've never really seen that in my entire life before. But I think it's also important that now this is done and dusted, we do go back to hating each other because that is what football is all about. <laughs> <laughs> I think that needs to be the legacy of this. <laughs> but yeah, look, it's, um, we're going to stick to what we do enjoy doing on this podcast. And with that in mind, it is time for this saw a message just after the first win lose or snore saying they never knew they needed that theme tune in their lives but (laughs) but their life feels so much more fulfilled because of it and i entirely agree anton you are on juicy this week it's uh, it's a parsons versus kutcher face-off which I'm, I, for one, am excited about. So can you explain the rules? So what I've got for you today is, is five games from, from Derby's past. All you have to do for each of those five is tell me win, lose or schnore um, about the outcome of the result. So first game for you um, is Rotherham away on the 12th of March 2016. Second game, Watford away, 22nd of November 2014. Number three, Doncaster at home, 1st of March 2011. Number four is Sheffield Wednesday at home, 13th of January 2007. And number five, Leicester at home, 1st of March 2003. Like certain ones of those fixtures, I think I, I think I might have been at, but then it's tempting to just go, oh yeah, I was definitely at that one. I definitely know it was this. It actually might have been the year before. <laughs> <laughs> So there's a few that I, I think you'll definitely come get. on, come on, Chris. You should yeah, know okay. all of these. All right, yeah, let's let's dive in. Fine. Right, let's go through them one by one then. So Rotherham away, March 2016. I'll go first. I am going to say 
Schnorr for this one. I, I think it was one where he chucked the lead away, but it was. A oh, you can't change your answer based on what I said. I know. Come on. No, I know. Yeah. No, I'm. No, I'm saying. I'm saying lose. Yeah. Uh, but I'm pretty sure you're right. I think it's Schnorr. It is, in fact, Schnorr, and it ah. is the game where we uh, threw away a, a three-goal lead. Wasn't it a three-three the season before that as well? Yes, it was. We we drew three-three twice in a row away at Rotherham. Okay. Uh, that one wasn't a three-goal lead that we threw away. Right. Great. So Watford away, November twenty fourteen. Uh, I went win, isn't this the Craig Bryson belter? Yeah, it I is. said. Yeah. Well, I I also said win. Yeah. Yeah, I think we were all there. I, I, I mean, was, I was I certainly there. I, I wasn't there. I think I was in Cape Town. Uh, I also wasn't yeah. there either. <laughs> I, mean, I really have. Well, Tom, me and Tom were definitely there. Um, there were there were quite a few of us there, but I uh, can't remember who. Two one to me, I think. Question yeah, three. Two one to Chris. So question three, uh, slightly more tricky. Doncaster at home, March two thousand and eleven. I'm gonna go a classic Nigel Clough loss. I think. Uh, all I can remember, actually, scrap that. I can't remember anything. I'm gonna have to just just, just guess and say win. <laughs> I think. This was a tough one, and Kutch has hit the nail on the head. It was a classic Nigel Clough defeat. Um, just a Stephen Davis last yeah. minute consolation in a three one defeat. Wow, yeah, equaliser. Um, so that is 2-2 two, two after three. So Sheffield Wednesday, January 2007 at home. Uh, I think I was there for this one. I think it was a David Jones free kick and it was a win. Correct. Yes. Yeah, you, need, you should probably get my answer before you say if it's right or wrong. <laughs> okay, yeah, go, go on. Uh, yeah, I also thought it was a, a, a win <laughs> as well. <laughs> Convenient. I mean, I'm, I was banking on the fact that you wouldn't cheat, Chris. So. <laughs> I'm a, I'm, 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 no, I'm a man of honour. I, I remember, yeah, I remember it. I remember that game. 1-0, 93rd minute. Um, so it's all down to the decider then. Three all with the final one to play, which is Leicester at home, March 2003. I was really struggling on this. All I can really think of is that it must have been the season when Leicester went up, because I'm pretty sure they're in the Premier League in 03-04. And I remember that they they, they turned us over at their place earlier on in that season because I, I did go to that game and that was their first season at their new stadium. This is all completely irrelevant information. But anyway, because Leicester went up, I'm going to take a punt and say lose. So I, I really had absolutely no idea on this one. So I just thought I hadn't got one here yet. So I put Schnorr. It is a final question. Schnorr. So yes, takes it oh, with, unbelievable. The, with the Schnorr. It was 1-1. Um, Brian Dean scored for Leicester and there was a last minute equaliser from any guesses? Um, I don't know, Warren Barton <laughs> Craig Burley <laughs> Wow Fair I enough. remember it well, I remember it very well <laughs> So Kutch takes it 4-3, yes, come back wow. on. That's massive result That is. Uh, yeah. I'm going to say that, that's an upset for me for me, Clive. Losing your own game <laughs> <laughs> You'll take victories however however they arrive, which uh, I think is uh, a, a very accurate sentiment to end this podcast on wouldn't you agree? Yeah, always always rated Craig Burley, always liked him Brilliant, well we will continue with win, lose or schnorr in the next pod. Uh, next one in exciting news, is going to be our last regular part of the season. And, boys, we're hoping to do it in person. Capital I, capital P. It's going to be amazing, isn't it? Very exciting. Can't wait to try out that uh, pizza oven that you've been uh, yeah. sharing, Chris. Yeah, also that as well. Uh, yeah, so, well, both thanks for joining us, Anton. Kutch, thanks for, uh, for for dialing in. I know it's uh, it's bleak, it's hard. Who knows what's going to happen, but we'll have to stick together, whatever division Derby County are in next season so Anton thanks to you cheers boys Kutch thanks to you thanks Chris take care see you on the other side